This is the Manips and Sips podcast show, featuring two fellowship-trained, board-certified orthopedic and sports physical therapists. Join us as we talk all things physical therapy, manual therapy, performance, business, education, research, and of course, Sips. Hey everyone, this is the Nips and Sips podcast show featuring me. I'm Dr. Jeremy Boyd and my usual partner in crime over there, Dr. Brandon Cruz, today, who's having some light difficulties as usual. But uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, shoulder dislocations and uh, especially the reoccurring shoulder dislocations. Uh, is there anything that we can do to potentially avoid them from reoccurring or happening again, especially for some of our overhead or throwing athletes? Uh, but before we get too much into it, Brandon, how's it going? The light's all fixed. Yeah, we're good. Um, as you started talking, I realized it was looking a little dim. And as you can see, the light behind me is on. Uh, we're having a nor'easter right now. Yeah. Uh, so it's, you know, dark and gloomy. So I was just trying to give uh, the audience uh, who watches us on YouTube a little better uh, visual of my face. Yeah. Which I don't know if it's, that's always good. Yeah. <laughs> If you're um, trying to get more followers, not less, you know, you're scaring yeah, them away. If you're us on the podcast or audio, you're probably better off. We have uh, a face made for radio. Is that the saying? Yes. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, you and me both. So, uh, yeah, shoulder stuff going on today. Dislocations uh, in particular, uh, you know, whether it's traumatic or not. Um, I have personal experience with that, so we can you know, at least talk about that part anecdotally, what the research says, do we meet in the middle? Is it a case by case basis? Um, you know, hopefully we can share some of our insight uh, and our experiences with, with you, the audience, and, um, you know, hopefully I'll help you with a conversation at some point in time in your career. Yeah, perfect. Well, before we get into it, uh, let's talk about our drinks, Brian, what you got going on? Um, doubling up from last week's uh, Don Q from oh, Mr. Uh, John V from NYU. Uh, I liked it. It was the uh, Añejo XO. So I liked it. It was smooth. So I put it on the rocks and uh, we're going to have a show with it. There you go. There you go. Back to back. Let's begin back and maybe reoccurring things. I got Guess Who's Back, uh, which is from our good friends at Neck of the Woods Brewing. Thank you, Devin. Um, it's a golden stout, golden coffee, coffee golden stout, which is near and dear to my heart. Um, so the hops, if anybody wants to know, are Columbus. Uh, malt is pale flaked oats and wheat and smoked barley. Ooh, so maybe it has some smokiness to it. And I have actually neck of the woods brewing cup. So that's rare that I get back to back like that. It's usually one or the other. But uh, I don't think I had this. So I'll have to give my rating. Hopefully I'm not too much of a Scrooge. Oh, this, this came out different. Being it's a golden stout, looks more down towards the, the white stout family. So I was expecting this to be darker. Shows how much I know about beer, I guess. I feel like golden is just another name for white. Yeah. They just want to sound different. Uh, oh. Uh, yeah right on the laptop you can't pour over the computer man that's a rookie mistake i know i know well you were all hyping me up last time and i was feeling confident got a little cocky uh yeah maybe that happens with some of these people get you know dislocations they get a little little cocky they feel good and now you're spilling beer all over your computer which is great all right all right i'm back in business but um 
Yeah, not my best pour, but there we go. So uh, while you're sipping that and, and finding out what um, what grade you're going to give it, probably like a 7.8 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I'm giving this higher. <laughs> I can tell. This is like, remember how we had the ooh-la-la? The, yeah. these, I want some of that. you got to bring that up next course. Yeah, I'm bringing it. But this is good. This is excellent. Good case. I'll ask Marta if she wants some, too. I think she liked that, too. She liked the bean one, though. The bean Oh, that. I know what the, the black guy PA one, right? Yeah, that was a good one, too. That was good. I'm going to give this – I'm going to go with it. 8.5. Ooh. I, I, don't re- I rarely get up that high. I don't you know if I have so five. far. Is it that good or, or you just didn't want to give another seven? No, no, no. It's good. And I, I – That's the highest we've ever given. Huh? It might be the highest. And that includes my own beer that I made. So, um, yeah, no, this is good. This is, you know, especially with stouts, to get heavy, but this is – light but it's packed with flavor and i can tell that if it was extra cold it'd probably even be better but i took this from the clinic and drove all the way back and that sort of stuff so but um yeah i'm gonna give it 8.5 again think i'm maybe a little, a little bit more generous in my rankings of now but i i think it's a well-earned 8.5 8.5 and that's with it not being cold i mean it's cool it just you can tell it lost a little bit it's yeah, it was twenty minute drive. Could get the dog, such and so forth. So, um, but eight point five. Right. So, my question is: Are we going to keep this strictly to dislocations, or are we talking about stabilization in general? Mm. For like people who are just naturally like old you know, girl who, you know, has some loosey goose shoulders and uh, their surgeon wants to tighten them up. I mean, we can, uh, let's uh, start off with your story of maybe some dislocations and let's see where it is. I think it'll probably be layered into some of our treatment if we can start tapping into that. Um, Well, that or we can make it a separate episode, but I think we can dabble in a little bit of both. But let's say let's start off with some of these the your more classic dislocations um yes yeah, are naturally lax it's dislocations but how is it a traumatic experience or mm-hmm. is it somebody who just has multi-directional instability naturally all right and for those of you that are talking off with that what's up let's start the talk off with that you know i think yeah. a lot of people don't know or are surprised with the idea that you know some individuals are just naturally looser we kind of talk about gymnasts and some cheerleaders but i know some males um that play uh i think actually a lot of male baseball players they're just some natural laxity to them maybe that's why they get into throwing because they can um but uh you know some pre-existing conditions like Ehlers danlos syndrome you know making them naturally lax and um you know, how that can lead to these, you know, maybe not full dislocations, but like subluxations where it kind of pops in and out on its own and how many strikes you get before a surgeon wants to tighten you up. But, you know, maybe we'll talk a little bit about that versus our classic traumatic pops out. Someone has to pop it back in sort of stuff. Um, Brandon, you want to continue that? Yeah. So, you know, before I go into my story, um, you know, you have your traumatic and, and, you know, talking about the PT side of tubs, for those of you who aren't aware of that, and that stands for it's traumatic 
It's often unilateral, uh, often treated with uh, bank heart surgery as your first option. And then we have AMBRI, which is uh, asymptomatic, multidirectional, uh, often bilateral, and rehab uh, is what you want to do first before you do some type of surgery. Um, so going back to mine, mine happened in, uh, who, what was it? 20, 2011 ish. Well, I met you. Uh, I'm trying, I'm trying to think of the date now. I know it was the fall. Anyway, I think it was, I would think it was fall 2011. Um, I was uh, playing in a weekend baseball league. Uh, I was playing center field actually, had two diving uh, plays earlier uh, where, you know, full on, you know, belly flop for the ball, did catch him, um, landed, but that's how you would typically injure it. You know, arm, arm up above you. Uh, for those of you who watch football, Baker Mayfield just uh, injured his non, uh, non-throwing arm like that. He was uh, tackled by his legs, kind of landed up like that. Um, and that has a torn label of non-throwing arm. We'll touch upon him in a little bit. Let's see if I can. Um, so anyway, I had another play where I was going to do that same one. And I guess the PT in me was like, let me not. I have already had two of these. I've gotten away with it. Let me, let me shoestring catch. So I kind of did like a baseball slide and it was an awkward play uh, probably because I try to change my, uh, my slide, you know, uh, last second. And I don't know, my knee hit the ground kind of flipped over, landed on my elbow, my, my shoulder uh, popped uh, forward. Heard, like, the catcher, I was playing, like I said, I was playing uh, center field, the catcher hurt. Um, so anyway, dislocated it, got it, you know, went back to the hospital, got it uh, popped back in. You know, they reduced me, you know, or it was fine, did rehab. Uh, I guess through that whole process, I went and saw a, uh, you know, very renowned surgeon and, you know, I was ready to go get surgery, you know, it pops out. We know about tubs, right. But I'm a student at this point in time, but, you know, going by that thinking, I know a lot. Um, went there, was expecting surgery, wanted surgery. I had a finite window to get surgery between the end of the semester and then the beginning of the next semester slash when I would actually need my arm, mm-hmm. right? For obviously you guys in PT school, um, very hectic schedule. You have practicals and things like that. Basically I would have had six weeks where I didn't have, you know, from one end, the last practical one semester, the beginning practical uh, of the next semester. So I would have had to get it done right away. Um, the surgeon had said, no, I don't need surgery because at that time I think it was 24, 25. And he said, you're at that age where you only have a 20% chance of re-dislocating. You know, it's like 81 chance of not re-dislocating at your age. At 25 and older, you're not going to re-dislocate. Hmm. Um, things will tighten up. You'll naturally kind of heal. You can rehab it. Fine. I told the surgeon, I was like, I'm very active. I play sports. I work out. I want to be able to go do all this stuff. Like, so if we need to do surgery, let's do it now because, you know, I'm, I'm on timeline. So he's like, no, no, he kind of assisted against it. There's a very prominent surgeon um, at a very prominent hospital. So didn't get surgery, went through rehab, yada, yada, did, you know, months of it, was back to feeling good and everything. Uh, played in a snowball, uh, which is around here in North Jersey. We go play at Giant Stadium for a spe- the cause of Special Olympics. 
Um, went up to grab a pass. Defender pulled my arm down, redislocated. Uh, from that point on, I dislocated like another four or five times uh, prior to it. And at that point, you're in the thick of PT school. And I kind of had to suck it up until I graduated. Because if you miss any time in school, at least the way my program was, they were going to put you back. Mm. I didn't want to be put back I didn't, or held back, you know, timeline wise, things like that. So I had to, you know, operate a year and a half, uh, almost two years with a, uh, you know, a shoulder that kept dislocating. And at that point, I'd, I'd go to sleep at night and I'd wake up and my shoulder was out of, out of its socket. Um, and this was all because, in my opinion, he's playing the stats of my age range and, and didn't listen to me in That's terms right. of I'm going to go back to X, Y, and Z. I'm still young enough, athletic enough to where I want to do this stuff. In my opinion, I think I should have been tightened up the first time. Mm. And I'm, I'm anti-surgery. Yes. Uh, but I, I should have been tightened up the first time. It would have saved me, uh, you know, five dislocations, whatever other trauma that was, um, or, you know, damage that was caused to the labrum and rotator cuff muscles since then. Mm. Um, so, you know, compensating atrophy, alter motor control, fear, mm. apprehension, catastrophizing, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that, that is my story. And, uh, to me, I, and part of the reason, why I think I did a residency and I'm so passionate about uh, PTs being autonomous and, and doing their due diligence and listening to the patient and making your own decision um, is because I felt like I was mismanaged hmm. um, for that. And, you know, you have to take it as a case by case basis and yeah, let the research guide you but also listen to what's going on in front of you with the patient, what they're telling you, what they want to do, what their mechanism of injury was and things of that nature. Um, so that's, that's one story. I have another story. It's actually the opposite where I was treating a patient who didn't need it and got it. Um, and still kind of lingering some stuff to this day, but uh, we'll, we'll go, we can touch upon that in a little bit. Cause I think that's more of a, a Ambry and a developmental one as well. Mm. Uh, so I'll have some questions based off of that, you know, that story that you, you put up there, Brandon. Now, did they, um, so that's, a, you know, I think people need to listening, need to take, you know, hopefully they listen to previous episodes and how much of a, you know, proponent we are and special Brandon for not doing surgery. And I think some big takeaways is that he was trying to you know, tell the surgeon, you know, my life isn't the stats, you know, I think that's a, that's a big takeaway there. Um, now did they do MRI and everything after the first dislocation or was it like, it was dislocated. This is it. You know, these are stats. We don't need to worry about it. If you can, I want to say I did have an MRI. Honestly, it's, uh, so long ago. I'm pretty sure I had an MRI. I had the old the x-rays okay. from going to the hospital. Cause when I went to the hospital to get it reduced, mm -hmm. um, they took x-rays there. I mean, there was no doubt in anyone's mind. It was, you know, it dislocated yeah. and I have a torn labrum. From I mean, yeah, you, don't, you don't, you don't get uh, a torn labrum with that type of, or you don't not get a torn labrum with that type of uh, dislocation. Dislocation. So okay. uh, he had it. Yeah. I guess, you know, I would love to talk to him now, you know, and you know, he probably doesn't remember me, but um, probably not. <laughs> I just, just to, you know, what, what's your thought process? You know, mm -hmm. it is what it is at this point. Um, but you know what was your thought process and kind of playing the stats and i can understand if i wasn't active if i was older if i was um you know in my 30s or 40s 
you know, at that point, yeah, we naturally as, as humans just tend to stiffen up anyway. Mm. Um, plus your lifestyle changes at that point, right? You tend to have, you're a little older, right? You're, um, you're not just naturally quite as active. You probably have a family or kids. Like that's probably the person, okay, you play the, the stats on, not someone who's 24, 25 telling you they play in every weekend league that there is baseball, yeah. basketball, Maybe it was a looks thing. Maybe it looked at you and was like, yeah, this guy isn't playing yeah. enough. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to tell you this right now. Oh, yeah. I just want to say. I know. <laughs> oh, oh, this is, this, this is going to come out. Um, just so you guys know, right now, Jeremy is talking shit because he thinks he can be myself and Kevin, who was uh, one of our um, mm. my interns. So it's going to be him and his uh, office manager, Cam, versus me and Kevin. Mm-hmm. And a lot of shit talking going on this weekend uh, on the gram. Uh-huh. Uh, they're about to get just, you know, annihilated. They don't even know what's coming. And then on side, side game is going to be Cam and I one-on-one. And he's just going to go jump in a river once I'm done with oh, it. Oh, no. I'll tell you right now on, on I guess, live here. Is is, I, Cam is the best of the four of us. It's I, whether I bring him down or not. And I'll be honest, people, again, I've just just started as of – this year organized basketball for the first time in my life so which is kind of funny i'm talking this much shit to brandon and don't, kevin don't make excuses no, i'm not making excuses i'm gonna say you're talking about annihilation and i think we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna mop you up because you know look what i did to kevin i mean he's still probably psychologically distraught he's, he's, just, rebound. he's living life <laughs> he's living life he's still he's probably having some nightmares i i, I cook up kevin in the clinic a little bit a couple of days ago but um yeah you know so maybe maybe that doc saw something he's like yeah this guy he's 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 running up here his time in the athletics is uh is short we're, but, we're, uh, going, we're now going to at least record part of this game and it will be put on the youtube the nips and sips clips all right for you guys to watch the massacre yeah uh, we'll see about that i'm not to posterize somebody and then uh make yeah. that top play see we're this playing. is all based off of all the smack talk is based off of we do not top plays at trifecta and I had one very, very poor pass. And they're relying that whole top, not top play on my skill level. You just see. You see. Yeah, just playing, we're going to be playing on a 10 foot rim, not that baby room you have in your clinic. Uh, that, I know that, that's uh that's uh, that's something I'm a little bit worried about. Cause I've been like draining a lot of shots and, you know, I can hit like nine, 10 in a row. I'm like, this is great. And I'm like, this is only a nine foot rim. So it doesn't matter. I'll just out, outwork you both. All right. Shut up about your. Yeah. Um, so stay tuned for that. That should hopefully happen in a couple weeks or so. But I had a question based off that. So interesting. Um, so you got initial imaging. I am curious did after the four or five dislocations, uh, I guess the second time around, um, did you get more imaging? I am curious to see a lot of times did more essentially damage happen? Uh, I know a lot of like the thought process, especially ACLs is, you know, we'll look at the research of return to sport and the non-operative versus operative. It's pretty similar, but a lot of the, you know, the purest of, Hey, let's operate is because it saves the joint. It saves other structures such as the meniscus, 
the less chance for chondral defects, such and so forth. So I'm interested in your case now that we started talking about it. Did they did they have a comparison in MRI? Did it lead to more trauma or just more loosey goosey? Uh, well, I had a, a uh, when I actually went and got surgery a couple years later um, from actually the gentleman's colleague. Um, he well, he didn't even do it on you. What? No, he didn't. He didn't end up going. It was uh, someone else. Some of it was insurance related and all this other mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but whatever. Um, what you call? I had a, a rotator cuff tear. I had a, a like fifteen percent tear ish of um, my supraspinatus, which he actually did not touch. Okay. Um, that wasn't there the first time or the, he didn't recall seeing it the first time. He also said it could have been from baseball when I was younger, but mm. um, I did not have the first time. He said my labrum was like chewed up. I mean, right. you're only getting that after several dislocations. Locations, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I forget how many tacks. Surgery. I think it was like six, six tacks. I have to double check. I mean, I mean, this was my surgery is uh, 2013. It's 2021 now, so mm. eight years, right? Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I know to go after that shoulder when we play ball. That's it. That's it's it. good now. It's locked <laughs> in. Um, so yeah, that's something interesting, you know, especially us being again proponents of trying the non-operative approach for most things. Is it you know looking at the lifespan and of the person you know is it better in certain cases to to operate first um versus you know let the person keep dislocating and when do we stop uh brand i don't know um well first and i guess unrelated did he ever did you ever find the statistics on the age or was that purely anecdotal his experience the 20 percent um that's what he said according to the research okay that research he's done i honestly never never looked into to where he got those numbers from mm-hmm. uh yeah i'm curious to, to i haven't i haven't seen i haven't looked at because i just heard about it now but um that'd be interesting to see if that's really research or his personal yeah. research yeah. um i mean you, you figure out, uh, as the head surgeon you know he's probably published some stuff along the way so yeah. it's um yeah, but that'll be a good good one to uh, honestly really look into. I, I think the bigger thing is um, what, and it's kind of where I am, is help. It's our job as PTs to help patients navigate healthcare system, for lack of a better term, um, you know, and try and give them, you know, encourage them maybe to get a second or third opinion tell them, you know, X, Y, or Z, you know, whatever the case may, may be, you know, is it, Hey, I don't think you need surgery. You're, you're young. You need to grow. You need to develop some motor control. You haven't had a traumatic experience. There's no reason why I think this is going to be, you know, dislocating on you that we can't rehab it with some motor control and strengthening versus um, maybe somebody who is traumatic, depending on their sport and, what arm it is and things like that, you know, can, can they go forward? Maybe that's a good time to, to segue to Baker Mayfield. Cause he dislocated his, uh, his left shoulder has a torn labor. Yeah. 
has been out and he's going to try and play through it. Big thing is it's his non-throwing arm. Mm-hmm. He's still having trouble right now. Yeah. Hold on. Let me, let me see. So he's trying, that's what I was doing before and it got a little loud. Here we go. Okay. Same by one in the C. Oh, thanks. And gets picked off. And on the interception, the return is coming back. I think it's Justin Reed. Coming back, I think it's Justin Reed. Baker Mayfield tries to make the tackle. And Mayfield. That's why quarterbacks should be making tackles. And on the interception. So his body is going the one way. His arms torque back. And um, the return is. Sorry, I don't think they break it down, but. Just in case you guys hit like the following week or two. Yeah. And landing on it again. Yep. Aggravating it. Yeah. So, um, but that's, I believe that was the first episode in case you guys wanted to see what that looked like. Um, But yeah, go ahead. Keep talking about, sorry, I don't want to interrupt. I just want to explain why there was a loud noise in the middle of your previous discussion. Um. Now, I, I think it's our job to, to, to better understand, you know, some of the stats that are out there to better mm-hmm. um, understand where that patient's coming from. What are they trying to do? What was their mechanisms of injury and, and going from there? I mean, we have a kid right now who poor, poor guy, actually, um, quarterback for his high school team last year was tackled tore his labrum of his uh, shoulder on his uh, throwing arm, missed the rest of the season, rehabbed with us. Great. You know, was doing, you know, awesome stuff, lifting, you know, strong as an ox, looked great. I think a first or second game this season dislocated the other shoulder, not throwing. So luckily it was a non-throwing arm and it wasn't the surgically repaired side. So at least that was good. Yeah. So right now it's like, oh, all right. You know, I get it. It's your senior year. You want to play. All right, let's, let's get you a brace. Um, and luckily, you know, the surgeon kind of agreed. It's like, all right, let's brace you, you know, get one of those shoulder braces. So his arm's not going to be really going too high. And let's see if we can get you to play, you know, the remaining senior, senior seasons, your non-throwing arm. Can we, you know, do it with rehab, you know, um, PT, AT room a lot and see if we can get you through the season. You know, if that was his throwing arm again, we'd probably be in the OR again. And, you know, mm-hmm. that'd be that. Um, so, the big thing is, all right, let's protect that side. And actually, his main sport, baseball, and can we get you back to pitching, um, you know, for, for the spring season? Mm. So that's one. It's like, okay, you know, we're laying out all the cards here. It is your non-throwing arm. You understand what the rehab of the other side is. You know, you understand the risks of the other side. You know, let's see what we can do with a conservative approach and a brace and see if we can mm. get you through the season at least and then – you know, rehab it in the off season or the winter season and then get you ready for, for the spring. But I'd have to imagine knocking wood. I hope it doesn't happen to the kid. Yeah. Um, you know, if that comes out again, you know, are we, are we going in? You know, he's only 17. Yeah. Now, so question based off of some things that you discussed. So do you believe, you know, for throwing athletes that have a traumatic dislocation, they're young and have a, hopefully a, a more fruitful more and more years of playing their sport do you think those individuals should opt for surgery first 
Uh, a lot of variables. Oh, going a lot of variables. Because it's, you know, you know, what part of the season do they get hurt on? What's, you know, what's their goal? Are they trying to get back for next season? Their college aspirations, right? Is there co- because right, here's the thing: college or not, right? I mean, college is, is a different, different beast as well. But let's just say they they get hurt in early early season. All right, baseball's out if they get an operation if they play baseball, but they try and come back in time for the following season. Right, uh, we're talking about quarterbacks. I'm a, uh, quarterbacks, pitchers, right, so we're uh, throwing athletes now. Wrestlers, wrestlers also dislocated. Well, oh, are we talking about throwing athletes? Uh, I would yeah. say anybody traumatic, active individual, similar to your situation. You were active, relatively young. Uh, well, traumatic dislocation. I, I, I think that the big thing with me too. Here's the difference. Here's a caveat in my scenario. I only had a, a certain timeline to get it done. If I was a regular 25-year-old with a job, all right, great. Yo, go to PT. Try it. See if it works. If it dissolves again, great. We can go back in there and get it. Like, that alternative is always there. Mm. Right? I think being in, you know, PT or med school, right, with, with the setting that you're in where you can't take the time off, it was probably a bigger caveat mm. uh, of what maybe should have been done. Gotcha. Again, we're also looking hindsight 2020. Yeah. All right? So – if I'm just a, a 25 year old with a desk job, no, go to PT, you know, do it for, you know, six, eight, 12 weeks. You know, if you, if you dislocates again, we can always go back in. I, I think that's probably your safer route. Mm. Um, you have somebody and you guys probably see it in sporting realm. All right. What if you, what if you rehab for two or three months, it doesn't work out. And then you got to go in anyway. Now you just lost three months three and months. you're going to miss the beginning of next season in high school the beginning of next season is really the whole season. I mean, high school sports, you're looking at eight weeks plus playoffs, mm-hmm. um, not including preseason, right? So that's where things change. You know, um, you know, professional sport, their season's much longer. Maybe they can do it. They're also getting paid a lot of money. So there, there's all these different variables you have to consider um, going through it. You know, figuring out their main sport. If you have an overhead athlete who gets hurt in football, are they playing? Are they playing um, baseball? You know, do we? If are they pitching? If they're not a pitcher, can we get away with it? You know, what's the degree of it? I, I think there's there's just so many layers to it. Do they play basketball in the winter? Everyone says basketball is a non-contact sport. Not true. Jeremy's mm-hmm. going to find out. Um, but you know, you go for a rebound, someone yanks your arm, mm-hmm. you know, look at Dwight Howard. Here's an, actually, here's another one. Dwight Howard with the Lakers, you know, had a torn labrum, tried to play through it and just kept re-injuring and kept this mm-hmm. okay. I mean, you have, in his case, 250 pound, 300 pound guys just ripping down on your arm. Yep. You know, that, that's someone who tried a conservative approach so he could play the season. I, I just think there's so many factors in it i will say if it's your dominant arm and you have a traumatic uh dislocation and i'm talking about dislocation that leads to a a tear now you're looking at not just a labral tear you're looking at inferior and medial or middle glenohumeral ligaments that are being torn as well Mm -hmm. i mean that's that's the the front 
pocket that's kind of keeping the little anterior stabilization they have anyway. It's not so much yeah. the labrum. Are the ligaments, which they typically are, on a dislocation like that, are they torn? Are they stretched out? Mm-hmm. So I think that's another thing to, to keep in mind as well. What other structures are compromised? I think a non, non-dominant arm you could probably get away with. Yeah. But I'd, I'd probably say at some point you're going to look, look at Baker. Non-dominant, played again and got Good tackled problem. and landed on it again. Like now you're just playing all season long hurt and trying to muster through it. Mm-hmm. And, and can't um, deny, even if it's your non-dominant arm, that's going to hurt like a bitch. It, it, you know, it hurts. Um, honestly, I, I've, had, I've had a couple injuries. I'd say the shoulder was by far the worst. Mm-hmm. I, I failed the dislocation, I should say. Like mm-hmm. that, that hurt me the worst. The surgery wasn't bad. Everyone was like, the surgery is awful. I didn't think the surgery was fine. I was fine. You know, mm-hmm. in a day and a half, I was just, you know, it just felt like pressure. Um, but by far, I, I personally think the dislocation was, was the worst. Yeah. Um, now you take somebody who has Ambry, who is just generally lax person, you know, maybe your swimmers and they're having more subluxations and there's no actual tear. Maybe things are stretched out. Yeah. You know, I, you know here's the caveat with them though. Are you going to be able to shut them down long enough so you can actually rehab properly for like three months? Probably not. Mm-hmm. And then investing into into strength training yeah tighten them up which is tough in that realm especially swimmers yeah swimmers don't want to get bulky um yeah i mean there's i I don't think there's i mean if i had to say and this is probably a little biased um very biased i think if you have a traumatic dislocation of your shoulder um you probably you're probably going to get surgery and you want to resume, you know, athletics. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you have it because you fell down some stairs or something and you're not, you know, you're a sedentary person, you probably don't need it. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Why go it, for it? It, it depends what 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 you're uh, what you're going for mm-hmm. uh, or what the person is going for. Wrestlers, you talk about wrestlers. I don't, I've, I've, I don't know. Wrestlers are a different breed, man. They're they're not they're not right upstairs. And I've, I've dealt, I've, I shouldn't say dealt, I've treated some wrestlers who've had some pretty significant injuries where I'm like, I, I don't know how you're doing it. Yeah. Um, you know, I had one guy, here, you know, Olympic level and you know, he was, he was operating, you know, operating, but he was playing or wrestling with dislocated shoulder or I should say with a torn labrum with a history of a dislocated shoulder. Yeah. You know, he was fine. He was able to, you know, work through it. Um, so I, I had another wrestler who had, you know, torn, torn meniscus who wrestled on it all season. He ended up getting surgery after, but he wasn't missing a season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I think that's, a, you know, a talk you have to have with each patient, uh, the patient's parent, the coach, if they listen, or the, the AT at least, um, you know, hopefully you communicate to the doctor as well what you're thinking. But mm-hmm. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on the side. If you have a dislocation – you're, you're probably, you know, and you're in sports and you're young, you, you should probably get it. I agree. I think I brought up some good points that, you know, Brandon, give a firm answer. You, you said it depends. It It's really based off the patient, where they are and that sort of stuff versus, you know, being fixed to one thing, uh, having multiple options and understand where the patient's at, I think yields the best results. So, uh, well, you know, for a, Diverse answer. That was a, exactly 
the right answer, I believe, if that makes any sense. Yeah, you remember um, in PT school when we used to ask questions and the teachers would be like, it depends, and we're like, that's not an answer. And then you go out to real world and you realize that is an answer. Yeah, true. <laughs> the answer. Um, uh, but the thing is, in school, well, I don't depend on the program. Sometimes you can or cannot get into all the variations of it depends. Hopefully this podcast sheds some light on some of the different possibilities of why it depends. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah. Uh, so speak, Sergio, what's your, what's your, uh, what's your opinions on it? Did you have a bankrupt repair as well, or is it just pure slap and, uh, yeah, he tied me up too, though, actually. Okay. So like he kind of capped a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, it wasn't he didn't like heat shrink it at all okay yeah makes sense so yeah, yeah i was I, curious see your experience with how many of your in, individuals get a bank or repair and then it still continues um i feel like i've seen that more of late um where i've been seeing anyone the next uh process after bank or repair is typically the ladder j procedure and i've seen more people with ladder j than bank art repairs of late so it's curious to see what your opinion was on that process um or the frequent dislocators even after surgery i don't know if you've been exposed to that i haven't been exposed to too many dislocators after surgery um i mean i send mo there's like only like if there's a surgery needed i i send them to like you know one of two maybe three guys yeah um, I'm, you know, I, and one of them is actually the guy who did my shoulder. Um, you know, that guy took the time to listen to me. He, he, you know, helped me out. He explained everything. You know, he's like, yeah, there's some other stuff going on in there, but he's like, I don't think you needed it. Um, you know, the rotator cuff tear. I was like, Oh, did you fix it? He's like, no, you know, um, you know, he knew I was, he's like, you're not playing overhead sports anymore. Hmm. Um, so he's like, you know, you'll be fine with a 15% tear. And he's like, and he told me point blank. He's like, I try and do as little as possible. That's good. And, you know, you hear that and it's like, you know, awesome. You know, I, I, I find that very respectable. And then I've had, you know, other surgeons I've talked to and they're like, yeah, I fix everything possible in there. Yeah. It's like, Hmm. Uh, and then you wonder why, you know, I, I, when I was starting up my own practice, I did some, um, some per diem work for a physician known, you know, PT place, right? I'm all, all against that, right? But I, I did it. I had to make ends meet, whatever it is, what it is. And, um, you know, he was a surgeon and, you know, I would have conversation with him of, you know, why, you know, I was, I, I uh, came and talk. I would have conversation with him of what he was doing because I was noticing like all these shoulders and knees just freezing. Like I couldn't get a knee past 90 degrees. Mm. Every single shoulder he operated on, you know, was getting frozen shoulder. Um, and, uh, you know, I was talking to him and, um, I was just like, what are you, you know, what are you doing in there? He's like, Oh, I clean up everything. He was just like, so matter of fact about it. I was like, okay. And, uh, you know, he, he, he had kind of a a bad reputation. So I didn't even try and say, Hey, maybe, you know, he should be a little softer. (laughs) Yeah. Less is more and stuff like that. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe today I would, you know, this was, uh, you know, six years ago, I was only two years out. So, uh, you know, maybe maybe i should have said something maybe not who knows but uh you know you have that conversation and you see those outcomes and then you have the conversation with the other guys who are like yeah you know you try and do as little as possible only what's needed Mm -hmm. and you see those results and and things like that and it's like 
all right, you know, if I have a complex case, they're going to like one of three people and I make sure, um, you know, those guys, you know, those patients go to those docs, you know, anyone else, if you just want an MRI or an injection or something like that, you know, I'll, you know, try and, uh, spread the wealth to some other, some other, uh, docs in the area. And that's more networking and relationship building. But, you know, if it comes down to operation, I, I make, I try and make sure my patients, you know, see one of, you know, two or three people. Yeah. I think that's a good point is like, we need to realize of how much trauma surgery really is. And the body needs to recover from every area from the incision. You think it's just, Oh, it's going through the skin. Now the body needs to recover from that through all the muscles Every time they play God with every point of the joint um, and a lot of the cases, unless it's a, you know, life-threatening surgical, like, you know, what they do in the ER, um, you know, where they have to do a ton of stuff and, you know, put your broken bones that are shattered back together, you know, and their standard orthopedic surgeries, I think less is more. I think when I came out, the, I guess uh, the double knee replacement was a big thing and, those people, I mean, they could be going to a good surgeon and they would do both knees, but that's just too much for the body to handle. And that's, I haven't seen one in ages. Um, you know, I see a lot of ACLs and sometimes when people have multiple ACL, like things going on, whether it's meniscal and that sort of stuff or um, PCL as well, that they stage in two separate surgeries. Now, I think they're starting to realize that when you play too much of God and you know, play around with a lot of things, it, it ends up with worse outcomes. So do one thing at a time or do just what you need to, uh, I think yields a lot better results. So, um, but yeah, it's kind of my experience. Have you seen a double knee in a while? Not in a while. I just actually just had a knee. Uh, she finished, um, probably like a month ago. Yeah. Um, a single, right? Yeah. She was a single. She actually came up from Philadelphia to see me. Uh, we got her to break 90 degrees and full knee extension and, and walking. It was probably like, I don't know, two, three weeks. And then she went back down uh, to Philadelphia, but she wanted to make sure um, she hit those milestones. Nice. First. Um, yeah. She might get the second one done somewhere down the line, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, you and I came out, I think the same year, right? 13. Yeah. And it was like, Oh, you get one. You should just get both of them at the same time. Cause you're not going to go back for the second one. If you get the first one and, mm. You know, you're just seeing a bunch of double knees cranked out. Oh, it's terrible. Uh, I'm sure, some of that is uh, profit related as well. But oh yeah, definitely. You can bang them both out. It's hundred thousand plus dollars right there and then. But there's always one knee was left behind. And think about that. They they got crank out a bunch of other people, and prosthesis doesn't fit quite as well. It was about I'd say down the rehab side though, like oh, yeah. the patient can only tolerate so much in in one day. Yeah. You know, rehab and was taxing so but um moving back to shoulder dislocations uh brent is there anything that you now we kind of talked about some surgeries and anything like that anything that you can think of see you know played around with that um may either predispose people to dislocations and or um if they had a dislocation maybe working on some things if you're working with these people that are non-operative, uh, some things that you want to work on to prevent any dislocations. Is there anything that you see um, on your end? Traumatic or no? I, I think traumatic is tough because, um, well, again, I think it's tough in the more active, younger population. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think the older population, you know, the they'll respond to you know strengthening rotator cuff strengthening, working on T spine mobility. I work a lot on the neck and the and the uh, brachial plexus a lot, so a lot of neurodynamics because think about what happens with the anterior dislocation. You know, you're stressing. Well, one, the axillary nerve is the most commonly injured nerve um, in an anterior dislocation, um, and then two. Uh, just the brachial plexus in general is right there. So there's more often than not in a traumatic experience injury to the brachial plexus. So uh, a lot of times that will cause ongoing pain, especially mm-hmm. anterior shoulder pain that will be attributed to the dislocation. But a lot of times it's the neck or neurodynamics. So treating that that area as well. Um, and then, you know, just building up a lot of the muscles around the shoulder. I mean, I'll go yeah. even uh, just like, meathead stuff like building up the deltoids you know doing posterior mid delt anterior delt flies just really trying to get all those muscles around the shoulder blade well getting the rotator cuff well um getting that lower trap mid trap really going with those uh and then and if you want we could talk about the the multi-direction instability patients or the younger patients who have like scapular dyskinesis and things like that because mm-hmm. uh, I've, I've seen that side of things too and it's, it's not pretty either no no no. i get a lot of those um yeah piggyback off of what you said um i think some stuff especially second go around or just overall looking at um you know some athletes and that sort of stuff or even regular individuals is working on range of motion um a lot of the individuals i've had some people have had some dislocations and you look at both sides and their shoulder flexion is like here and their you know dislocation was like a hyperflexion injury and it's they get to here and the body says well this is as far as i can go and then they get forced further and then then comes out or you know like in baker mayfield where he's coming back and then he had that anterior dislocation from reaching back you know having some more range of motion whether that's something neurodynamics, you know, this is, you know, median nerve, upper limb tension test, uh, thoracic rotation too, uh, you know, being able to stretch yourself and rotate backwards if a force is coming, you know, a lot of times, especially the quarterback, they're coming and then they get, you know, tackled and get brought back this way, having more rotation um, beyond just, you know, most of them have adequate external rotation of the shoulder but having like rotation through the thoracic spine or again more more flexion or ability to reach overhead i think helps um especially from the rehab process but also from you know anytime the going into the second dislocation or preventing the second dislocation luckily we've had a good um good results with those but uh those are some things i see and then i agree you know working on some things we're going core as well I think a lot of the movement, you know, absorption of force um, and transmission of force. We do like a lot of core work versus just pure periscapular um, stuff. I think that's that's something that's commonly missed um, in in those programs. Oh. But yeah, I, I will say, and you know, just talking about our um, our talk here. Um, what's your experience? And uh, you know, I think part of this is we, you know, a lot of times we don't get to get too much of a saying in the treatment. I mean, the, the, if the doctor said, or the surgeon says surgery, you know, the patient's going to go do that, but um, either post-op or trying to avoid uh, operation. What if we, you're talking about range of motion. What if we immobilize the patient 
for six to eight weeks to allow things to heal and stiffen mm. naturally. Um, there's talks of, you know, putting them out, you know, at neutral to 45 degrees extra rotation um, and okay. let them heal that way. Can you see yeah. me there? Right. That way um, versus having them here, which is what we typically do with our dislocated patients. If we put them out here, will that help uh, that kind of evolves labrum and you know, the proximity to everything kind of heal better? Mm. Um, and I think that article, uh, let me see if I can pull it up here was by Delhi or Dell D E Y L E. Right. Um, and like 2007. Yeah. It's all our Oracle. We're talking about that. Um, you know, the outcomes post-op. Whether, yeah. yeah. So I remember that was the, some discussion there. in residency. I think Scott also had a labral repair and he's talking about when do we start oh. to go crazy with mobilizations and that sort of stuff. I remember early, I was like, you know, from what I remember most, you know, articles or for most orthopedic things is early mobilization tends to be superior, but it brought in the, you know, you know, everything's a balance. It's, you know, when can you, and if you start going crazy with early mobilizations on someone who's freshly dislocated or fresh, you know, post-op and you start to overstretch things before they heal, are we, you know, setting these up, these individuals up to re-dislocate? or have another injury. So that was eye-opening for me because I usually, at that time, was like balls to the walls, zero to 100. I'm going to hit all my milestones in week one because I'm that badass of a PT. And then it was just like, no, you gotta, you need to respect healing timelines of tissues, especially in the shoulder. But I, I don't know if you have that article or... Yeah, yeah, I have, I have the article. Scott was also, I mean, he's a little older than us. He, he had a... The capsule, the the thermal oh, shrinkage, though, yeah, which they don't even do anymore. Um, but they, you know, they should you know, shrink that capsule too much, and he never got back a lot of that motion. Yeah, he was like, here, comparing battle wounds, basically. Uh, at that time, um, yeah. So I found it. It's a shoulder position and neutral to forty-five degree external rotation helps reduce the vol's labrum, bringing labrum um, to close proximity. Uh, to the glenoid rim, right, uh, versus a typically internally rotated uh, position where the lesion is not able to heal. They, they're thinking that it's a plausible idea that uh, immobilizing the shoulder in a morally, more externally rotated position could result in better healing of the vols labrum. Um, what they did with this patient is, um, you know, they had torn capsule ligamentous uh, labral structures uh, not healing. They immobilize them for six weeks uh, with protected activity for another six weeks. So right there, you're looking at 12 weeks of basically immobilization or um, controlled immobilization mm. uh, to allow it to heal. I mean, you know, if you're you're playing athletics, you probably don't have that time mm -hmm. to see if it can work um, versus not. So I think that person was able to resume everything without any other uh, instability, symptoms of instability. Um, you know, they did that 20 months, you know, they had about 13, uh, yeah, about 13 weeks, uh, after that dislocation, they had full active and passive range of motion, near normal strength, things like that. You know, that goes into, we've had talks about ACL tear, Coper's ACL and things like that, mm -hmm. you know, you know, with the outcomes not being as great as we, uh, we once thought. Yeah. So yeah, I haven't seen as much of that in in the shoulder, which is surprising because it's the most dislocated joint. 
um, you think they do more kind of comparison studies versus, and you said this was a case study, right? Yeah, it was a case report. Yeah, I thought they did more um, another study where it's looking at the outcomes with a different type of bracing. But um, yeah, so all some interesting, interesting things to think about in regards to how fast we progress people are slow. Um, you know, again, I used to probably go probably too hard, too quick. Um, and take, took, took some wising up and that sort of stuff, respecting all. I mean, know. even if you think about post-ops, you know, how fast are people trying to get range of motion? Like sometimes you just need them to, you know, yeah. Um, and if you actually, I've noticed this, um, recently with post-ops, um, that their surgeons are, are tend to become more conservative with them. Yeah. Um, and, and delaying it and not wanting you to do uh, too much too soon. Uh, I've definitely seen that on the Achilles side. I've definitely ACL side. the shoulder side, ACL, like, hey, let's not uh, crank away at, at some things and let's let things stiffen up naturally. They're going to get more motion as time goes on. Mm. However, as time goes on, it tends to be, you know, you're looking at a year and things like that. You know, how often are you getting to keep a, a patient a year past, mm. you know, surgery? Not too often. Yep. Um, so maybe it's discharging them and then having them come back later on, um, to finish up some stuff, you know, cause you know, chances are maybe one, once you get them, you know, to the point where they have, you know, zero degrees of range of motion and strength is good and, and they're able to function, um, you know, maybe take some time off and then come back in. You know, so there's, there's, there's a lot, I think that hopefully the next decade will, will be able to better uncover now that PT's beginning to maybe hit its stride and the ability that you know and all the things that we can help with yeah i mean hopefully i know we had that conversation last last uh, podcast which hasn't been released yet about what you know where we are and that sort of stuff but yeah hopefully it continues to, to get better and hopefully more research comes out on you know we have a lot of things about guidelines and those sort of things and it's a lot of it's like you know months in but can we can research help us even within the months within the weeks of you know particular things because the very opposite can happen can happen i mean how many contractures have we seen and those sort of things from failure to push too much and you know or failure not to push enough uh so it's a fine balance and you know it goes back to that it depends and every patient's different um but you know you know i think uh you know keep it on top of your patient and uh, monitoring their symptoms. And again, understanding the surgical process. Uh, I think it's important I mean, for us. We always ask for the post-op report um, and just to get an understanding of all the structures that healed. I'd say shoulder more than anything. I see a ton of knees, but shoulder more than anything is on that script. It says one line of something, but it's legitimately, they do three different surgeries and that's maybe even the conservative ones. Like I've had so many people are like, oh, you know, they just did a little cleanup. I'm like, no, they did a cleanup. They shaved off your chromium. They did a full cuff repair. You know, how did you not know about this? And they're they get hit with a brick wall of why they they're not you know moving. I, as I mean, surgeons need to not be like, oh, we just cleaned some things up, and that is that. Yeah. Tell me what the fuck you did. <laughs> I, I hear that all the time that paid you know doctors just say oh we just cleaned some things up all right well what does that mean 
I guess there's some balance between not trying to freak out your patients and add some nocebo things that we fucking listen yeah, to a lot of things and there's a balance you're gonna do they're not gonna get surgery mm-hmm. if you if they knew it's true and now it. it used to be from what i know it used to be you forced to watch the video of whatever surgery you have now it's back to optional like right. people are like i ain't watching that i refuse to because again most people probably won't won't actually do it because you know if you if you're in orthopedics or sports or whatever i think any pt um if you if you have an observer surgery, make sure you go about doing that, and then you get a real appreciation of what these patients are going through. Um, mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. Even I mean, arthroscopic procedures, which are always labeled as not as intense or ever, there you start looking at what they're doing and what they're burrowing out and drilling in. It's still a lot. Or here's what here's top it off, and this can be my last remark a non-invasive invasive procedure someone explained that to me so the 10x procedure which is I believe a rotator cuff not exactly a repair but they're cleaning up again the cleanup of the tendon so you know if you look at you know arthroscopic and it looks like flailed meat or like fish meat and they essentially cut around the tendon just to keep what the more cleaner looking tendon left so that's a 10x procedure but is labeled as non-invasive procedure and then literally a sentence later they talk about invading like invasively going into the to the actual shoulder i'm like which one is it it's invasive or non-invasive if you're going into it as something as small as a little hypodermic needle that is in theory invasive but you know that's kind of the state that we're in is like less is you know if we can explain less and it's not that much then people will sign up for it 10x procedure if anyone wants to look that up non-invasive invasive procedure real real quick um just before you know we're, we're getting getting long as podcast but um she was at the time 13 uh girl overhead athlete played three sports volleyball was uh was her main one volleyball and basketball so two overhead sports um came in with scapular dyskinesis some laxity in the shoulders but you know 13 year old girl um who's in the midst of growing poor motor control having shoulder pain um you know the surgeon maybe gave her like a couple months of rehab and went in and tightened her up like what are you doing you have a you know a 13 year girl who's in the middle of puberty uh with clear scapular dyskinesis like she couldn't even hold herself up in a tall plank position uh, without like just collapsing and you're going to go do a capsulorophy on, on her for, for what, um, you know, and I still see her to this day on and off, you know, she still, she plays college volleyball at this point and, um, you know, her shoulder will flare up from time to time with her. And so what he tightened up so much, so her, her chromium or not chromium, her, uh, collarbone, uh, would kind of rotate upwards. Um, so she had this like, popping forward that we kind of had to like mobilize the crap out of that and the shoulder to get it to kind of uh, not happen anymore. And, but you know, when she doesn't do PT, she's a really good athlete. So she kind of slacks off on the strengthening side, which she knows she does. Um, I think that would fix a lot of her stuff too. But you know, when she, you know, plays a, you know, a few weeks or, you know, middle of the season and the season she'll come, you know, with the shoulders are tight again because everything's trying to compensate and we got to clear some things back up again. 
Um, so, you know, that's a, a case, you know, where, you know, you have somebody who would probably fall into the Ambry uh, aspect uh, who's never really given a chance and forget rehab. Like, honestly, I think she would have just gotten better with a couple years of just maturation. Hmm. But, you know, here we're, we're in rehab to at least expedite that process. Um, you know, the guy, you know, had a the same, same doctor I was telling you about before goes in and does way too much. And, you know, my, my opinion, not only did he tighten her, I think he over tightened her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, someone who's in the middle of growing, uh, in the middle of, of physically maturing and, you know, who's never had a dislocation. Mm. She, probably, she probably had a little sublux, you know, maybe that Glenn was kind of riding on that front rim, but I yeah. think that would clear it up, you know, as she got stronger and got some more tone in her muscles and things like yeah, that. Absolutely. Yeah. I, that's a, that's a scary thing is what happens when they over tighten. Um, I've seen that in shoulders, seen that in, in ACLs. Um, and, um, stuck, you know, not being able to do what they want to do because ligaments are too tight and that sort of stuff. And everybody I've known that I've seen that, it's just like, no, like they think, well, I guess we can go back in and loosen it back up. They're like, no, it's, it's not worth it. So um, it's a shame, especially in those cases where probably just need, you know, time maturity, maybe, uh, you know, occasional weightlifting program. But um, yeah, and hopefully with things and research, we can become more standardized of like, this is the, the cutoff that you'll need to have surgery and ages amount of dislocations what style dislocation sports activity level but um being that everybody's so unique it's gonna we can't wait to rely on that um it's gonna have to be our decision what brandon said i usually say we're the quarterbacks for a lot of people especially for direct access providers you know guide them to the right provider help them make the best educated decisions but uh yeah Anything else on uh, dislocations? That was great. Um, all right. Well, uh, I don't know if you want to talk about some any, any uh, closing remarks or anything like that. Yeah, just a couple announcements. We have um, last uh, two courses coming up. November 6th is uh, our one-day uh, extremity manipulation course, or HVLA course. So we go from great toe up to shoulder or scapula, uh, teach you various techniques for that. And then uh, we have our spinal manipulation, December 3rd and 4th. Uh, awesome course. That's usually uh, a sellout for us. Um, and if you're in New Jersey, credits are due soon. So if you need some credits, uh, I think that one has 17 in New Jersey. So you get a whole bunch of them. In, in weekend. There we go. And then, uh, yeah, soon uh, the 2022 schedule will be out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, by the time this episode drops, you'll hopefully be able to decide for next year um better to stay on top of it pick the weekends you want to do versus the bum rush at the end of a credentialing or licensing cycle um but yeah so exciting uh stuff for 2022 about to about to drop but yeah thanks for uh tuning in and um yeah cheers everybody cheers guys thanks for tuning into this episode of nips and sips if you liked what you listened to, please follow and subscribe to us on all major social media and podcast platforms. Please rate us on Apple Podcasts if you enjoyed the show. Interested in one of our courses? Go to www.iosmt.com. Interested in business and private practice mentorship and advice? Visit us 
at therehabcoaches.com. As always, feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions or recommendations, whether that be clinical or SIPs, at Manips and SIPs, at The Decent Doctor, and at Think Like a Fellow. Thanks for tuning in, and cheers, everyone.